One particular theme that we talked about is prayer and action. Nehemiah was a guy that when he heard the news about the wall being destroyed, he didn't just pick up a shovel, he didn't just go to action, he immediately fell to his knees and went to prayer. We talked about the importance of prayer and that prayer is part of kingdom building. And then talked about how he didn't just stop there, but actually then did pick up a shovel and a level and all the other things needed to build a massive wall around the city, and he went to work. We talked about prayer and action. We also talked about this idea of the importance of community. We live in such an individualistic society that it's easy for us to become self-focused, to be wrapped around our own worlds and what's happening in our world instead of realizing that we here, we the body of Christ, we followers are all part of a large community. It's a community that doesn't just stop in these walls but goes far beyond these walls. That's why we pray for other churches. That's why we support other ministries. That's why we're behind things that God is doing because we're all in it together. And the importance of community is significant in the book of Nehemiah. Kind of another theme that stood out is the significance of kingdom work. That, that we are all a part of something much larger than ourselves. And sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that idea, but we are a part of a huge kingdom, a huge God who is doing mighty things. And then one of the things we talked about last week was just the power of involvement. What does it mean to truly be involved in the lives of other people? What does it mean to engage with other people, to invest in people? How do we do this in a way that lets people know that it's not just a temporal thing, but when we invest, we invest deeply, and that we are committed to one another as the body of Christ? And the longer I have been going through this book, and the more that I've been kind of wrestling with the themes in it, one thing that stood out to me during this time that perhaps we didn't talk about enough or didn't kind of raise to the surface is uh, the role of you in the body of Christ. I think Nehemiah understood what it meant to have a particular role in the body of Christ, to have a particular role in building the kingdom. So I think Nehemiah understood that, that the mission of God is for cupbearers. And he was a cupbearer. He was your standard guy that served alongside of the king, and in some ways he had a glamorous role because he was constantly in the king's presence, hanging out with him, spending time with him, and I mean that would have been pretty prestigious, and yet it was kind of a not-so-cool job all at the same time because he'd be the first to die if the king was poisoned. And so there, had, there were some moments where it was a cool job and probably some times where it was a fearful job or a job that uh, didn't have a lot of security in it, and yet Nehemiah understood that his mission went far beyond just being a cupbearer. That he was a part of something bigger than himself. And I think for us, I'm convinced that Nehemiah understood that his mission was for cupbearers, but I think for us, we need to understand that mission is the work of the whole people of God. That discipleship, reconciliation, ministry is for the whole people of God. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul is speaking to the people, and this is what he says. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. That ministry, that reconciliation, that the work of the kingdom, that mission is the calling of all the people, the whole people of God. There's a phrase that says, the whole people of God engaging in the whole mission of God in the whole world. If you were to define what the church is, this is what the church is. This is what the church is. See, the church is not supposed to be, and I say this over and over, it is not supposed to be just about building its programs. It's not supposed to be about trying to get more of us to do more things to usher in the church. We're not trying to build these walls and make them bigger and grander and and have you do more things to occupy more of your time on a Sunday morning. The goal is this, that the whole people of God, all of us collectively, any follower of Christ, is engaging in the whole mission of God. The reconciliation, drawing people to Him, a part of building the kingdom, a part of establishing what He is desiring in the lives and in the hearts of men and women. And that, this is happening not just here, but around the whole world. That's, that's the dream, right? And that's what the church is about. That's what we are to be about. So kingdom building is not for a select few who have studied or trained or some gotten some degree. It's for the whole people of God. It's for every follower of Christ, cupbearers included. See, for far too long, I think we as the church have created these distinctions and these hierarchies where we allow some people to rise to this level of leadership and then for everybody else we allow them to shirk responsibility. That We somehow go, oh, this is for the few, the proud, the privileged, the Marines, you get the idea. And it, it's for these people, these select, these set apart, and it's not for all of us. And I mean, it, that's not true. The, what these systems have done is they've created in in generation after generation, this idea that view, that we view ministry or mission as just the work of the few instead of the work of all of us, of the whole people of God. And I think what's needed is for a fresh reminder for the church that ministry and discipleship and reconciliation is the calling of every follower all of us. We don't need more people in ministry. We know we, what we need are more teachers, accountants, businessmen, lab techs, workers of any color, whatever role you play, nurse, doctor, pharmacist. I mean, the list can go on and on. Whatever role you play, whatever occupation you hold, that is an occupation for ministry. It is an opportunity for building the kingdom. It is a platform for changing lives. It is not just for the select few. 
Dallas Willard makes this statement. He says, so his, his disciple, the disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm not necessarily learning how to do special religious things, either as part of my full-time service or part of my part-time service. My discipleship to Jesus is not a matter of what I do, but of how I do it. Brother Lawrence made a statement similar to that. He said, our sanctification does not depend upon changing our works, but in doing that for God's sake, which we commonly do for our own. It's not about you trying to pick up something on the side and figure out how to get yourself involved in ministry. It's doing what you're doing and doing it for the kingdom of God. It's doing what you're doing and using what you have to change lives. Dallas Willard went on to say this, not to find your job to be a primary place of discipleship is to automatically exclude a major part, if not most, of your waking hours from life with Him. But this is right where most professing Christians are left today. With the prevailing view that discipleship is a special calling having to do chiefly with religious activities and full-time Christian service. By doing this, by creating this divide between the secular and the sacred, or this divide between people who are in ministry or doing their special calling and those who are just the rest of the people, I think in the midst of that we miss the very calling that God has given And see, I think Nehemiah understood this. Nehemiah said, I'm a cupbearer, but that doesn't exclude me. It actually includes me. He didn't just decide to leave the work for the train, for those who went to Levite school, or any of those kinds of things. He, no, he said, it's, it's my work. It's our work. It's for the kingdom. Really, regardless of your occupation, regardless of your role, you have a part to and really, this is a theological idea. And it's one that I'm convinced we need to take from the ethereal and bring into the practical. We need to take from just some lofty idea and put it into action. Because if the church is going to be successful, not in growing a bigger church or not in creating some new services or programs, if the church, the people of God, you, me, truly going to be all that God intends for us to be. We have to view life as this, as ministry, as mission. And so this morning, instead of us spending time digging into a passage and talking further on this concept, or instead of me giving you three points in a poem on how you can live more missionally in this world today in whatever occupation or role you have, I am convinced there are people in this community that understand that all of life is mission. And so I've asked a couple people this morning to share their stories, to share a story of how they've been living life as ministry, that they are living everything they do, everything they're involved in, they see as an opportunity for kingdom building. And so in just a little bit, two ladies are going to come. Julie Jones is going to come first. Melissa Stoddard is going to come second. And they're just going to share with you what they've been learning on this journey. They would say, they'd be first to say they've not arrived. They, haven't, they don't have it all figured out.
but they are living each moment a little bit more with this idea that all of life is an opportunity. All of life, the, the simplest and most ordinary of tasks can change lives and be a part of kingdom building. And so we're going to spend just a, a few more minutes worshiping God while we sing. And uh, when we do that, I want you to reflect on this idea that mission is for you, that the work of kingdom building is your work as much as it is mine. In fact, we could probably make an argument that you could do that better than I can. That the, the ways you're investing, the time that you spend with people, the opportunities that you have are limitless. And so we're going to spend a little bit more time singing. And then after that, uh, Julie's going to come first and then Melissa's going to come. And they're just going to share a little bit of their journey and uh, what God's been doing. I'm Julie Jones and I am married to a great guy back there named Brad. And we have three girls together. Olivia, Isabel, and Emmy. And they are four, three, and eight months which um, translates to our life as an absolute zoo. But it's a lot of fun and pretty hilarious, but um, if you notice in the back, a lot of times we're the chaos happening back there. Um, I used to work for an organization called Young Life, and if you're not familiar with Young Life, it is just basically a ministry that reaches out to high school and middle school students. And um, they do this by building relationships with kids and entering into their world and through those relationships telling them about Christ. And I started working for them when I was a freshman in college and just fell in love with the ministry. So I continued to volunteer for Young Life for four years and then when I graduated, Brad and I got married and I went on full-time Young Life staff. And then after about two years on staff, surprise, we got pregnant. And um, like Tara said, that wasn't our exact plan, if you will. But, um, so I finished out my time being pregnant and then left staff and went, decided to stay home with Olivia when, after we had her, sorry. Um, and to be honest, that transition, going from working with Young Life to going home and being a stay-at-home mom was pretty tough. And it was tough for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons why was that I found myself asking what difference am I making in people's lives? Because I had to sort of battle my feelings because I knew in my head and my heart I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and I knew what I was doing was the most important thing but it didn't feel like ministry whereas Young Life always felt like ministry we were always meeting kids and having camps and being one-on-one -on -one. we're involved in all these programs and these great things and you could visibly see people's lives being changed and you could witness people meeting Jesus for the first time and when I'm at home a lot of times it's unloading the dishwasher for the fifth time and doing five loads of laundry and potty training and cleaning up potty training and all those things that don't necessarily feel like ministry. Um, but at one point, there, I don't know exactly, I don't have, I've never heard God's voice like, this is what you're supposed to be doing or anything like that, but there was a point when I realized what an intense and important calling it is to stay at home and to raise our kids. And one thing I love so much about this church and that's been so freeing for me is how often it's stressed that our role as Christians is simply to love God and to love others. And I think we're absolutely called to love the people that God puts in front of us on a day-to-day -day basis. And I just happen to be fortunate enough to love three girls every day and my husband and love them the best I can and try and do my best to point them towards Christ. And hopefully one day they will love others well and point others towards Christ. 
Because when Brad and I sit down and dream about what we want our life to look like and we want our kids to be like, when we think of it five years down the road and 10 years down the road and when they're adults, our number one desire is that they will love the Lord with everything they have and that they will be compassionate and love others well. And when I realize that that and when I acknowledge that desire of mine, I realize that raising kids is absolutely missional and it is a deep, deep calling. And our kids will get their first picture of who Jesus is and their main picture of who Jesus is based on how we live and what we teach them and what we tell them. And so we're going to do everything we can to model for them what it means to have a deep and authentic relationship with God. And when I think of it like that, it changes everything. And it not only do I know it is missional, but it feels missional when I'm intentionally trying to live every day with that. Um, and on another note, staying at home, one of, another struggle that I have had is that it feels, it can feel kind of small, like your world is three-year-old and a four-year-old, and um, doesn't go much beyond that. But I, the other day, decided to sit down and make a list of all the people that I come in contact with on a regular basis. And the list was, I knew it would be bigger than I thought, but it was a pretty surprising, it was pretty surprising at how large it really was. And it's everyone from my kids, to their friends, to their friends' parents, to the pharmacist, to our pediatrician, who we see very regularly, and to our, the librarian and the preschool, and the list just goes on and on, and other stay-at-home moms who are in the same spot as I am. And even just through doing this, and like Russ said, it's this ongoing process, but I'm realizing more and more every day that God is also calling me to love them, and that there's this ministry happening and can be happening every day in this world that I live in, and um, not because it's a part of any program or a job that I have or anything, it, but just because I'm simply called to love others and to love God, and the others in this situation are all those people who God puts in front of me every day. And I think, along with what Russ was saying, I'm very guilty of that compartmentalizing, where even when I was on Young Life staff, I would a lot of times say, okay, well, that's my ministry, this is my family, these are my friends, and it was all separate, and you could kind of check it off your list as you went on. Or, or a lot of times, even today, I think we'll look at, like, Kevin and Russ and say, well, they are in full-time ministry, they work at a church, and we do our thing. And um, what I've realized, and I'm still trying to do, is um, we're all in full-time ministry, no matter what we're doing, no matter what, if you work at Starbucks, or if you're a college student, or a junior high kid, or if you're retired, or salesman or whatever you do I think we're all called to full-time ministry and if I could encourage you in any way I would encourage you to look at your life and maybe ask Lord who he is calling you to love daily and who he's put you in full-time ministry with and then embrace it and run with it and that's who I am right now so here's Melissa I'm a little too fidgety for the chair. Okay, so my name is Melissa, and I work at St. Luke's Rehab here on the South Hill as a nurse, and I also volunteer with Global Neighborhood, um, helping out with refugee families, and I had the privilege of working with a specific refugee family from Burundi, Africa for the past two and a half years. Um, 
Initially, when Russ asked me to share, he can tell you this, I was very hesitant um, because I felt like there was so many people in this community who do mission better than I do. And I also didn't want to stand up here and say, hey, check me out, I really know what I'm doing and I know how to do mission because I felt like that would be a lie because I'm still trying to figure out, like Russ touched on, how to do mission in my context. But over the last couple of weeks, I feel like God's laid some pretty neat things on my heart, um, reasons to look at what I do differently, which has been really encouraging. So I just wanted to share those things with you and hope that you'll in some way be just a little encouraged um, by what I say. Um, the first thing God laid on my heart is something Russ kind of touched on. Um, God doesn't call me to be something that I'm not. And I'm definitely one of those people that compares myself to other people. I have this like elite Christian in my mind and I feel like I don't measure up to that elite Christian, you know? Um, and even Julie touched on it. Russ and Kevin and um, a lot of people we admire, they're in full-time ministry and I just kind of do my job. Um, but I realized that I have a specific calling, um, specific gifts, abilities, um, and a certain context that other people don't have, and so do you guys. And so right now, at this point in my life, I'm called to be a nurse. And so when I reach out to my patients, when I hold their hand, when I offer an encouraging word, when I provide a medical service, all of those things can be done in the name of Jesus. Um, Tara touched on it in her song um, that all things can be sacred. And I really believe that, and I've seen it in my job. And sometimes I get um, frustrated because I feel like I do a lot of really ordinary things, and I wonder how they can really make a difference for the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is um, a really good example would be when I hang out with refugees. It's not that awesome. I, I go out to dinner with them. I help them with their finances. I listen to their stories, and I just sit there and do life with them. And there's been times where I'm like, wow, I don't know if I really am helping them in any way at all. But the mother of the family I hung, um, spent time with would later tell me, you know, it was the times where you just did family stuff with us where you felt most like family in the ordinary things. And so that's been really encouraging. Which brings me to the second thing that's been laid on my heart. And it's actually um, going through this book, Nehemiah, has been so encouraging because like Russ said, Nehemiah was just this ordinary guy. He was a cupbearer, and you know, he just had an ordinary job, but what struck me about Nehemiah is he had vision for his life. He, he saw what God could do in his context, which has been really cool for me to start praying for vision in my context. How can God work in my hospital, and how can I get on board with that? And one of the things he's laid on my heart is to be intentional um, with relationships that I have at work. Um, I go to lunch with a couple of coworkers probably every day. We kind of have this close um, uh, knit group, and I've realized I need to be intentional in my conversation with them, ask them questions about their lives outside of the hospital, and share my life with them, and, and hang out with them outside of the hospital. And so I've had the opportunity to do that in the last couple weeks. Me and one girl went to the movies. Me and another girl are gonna start working out together. Um, and then there's a couple of us trying to figure out ways that we can just hang out. And so that's been really cool. And then another thing um, that I've been inspired to do is to see my patients as more than just a diagnosis. I think it's really easy if you're a health care provider in any way to just look at what's going on physically and not really care about all the other stuff that makes up that person. 
And I've just been reminded time and time again that my patients have incredibly deep needs. Um, I go in a patient's room and I start asking them questions about their life and all of this stuff pours out. And a lot of times it's really overwhelming things um, and things that are hard to swallow. And same with the refugees. Um, I ask them questions about their life and about what happened in Africa. And there's things that they tell me that are completely overwhelming. And I think it's our human instinct to push against that and say, whoa, this is, this is too much. I can't do this. Um, but the thing that keeps me going and wanting to dive deep into people's lives is just looking at Jesus and his cross and how much it costed him to get involved in my life um, is always a good reminder. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to encourage you guys with is kind of what Julie was talking about when she talked about all the people she comes in contact with each day. I didn't get involved with refugees to do something really special or above anybody else. I just realized there was these people in our city who we pass all the time, and they need help. They want community. They have needs. And I happened upon this refugee family, and God laid on my heart to do something about it, to invite the stranger into my life. Um, and so I just wanted to encourage you guys, who are the strangers in your everyday context that you could be inviting into your life, the people who are longing for what we have here, for community? Um, and just the last little thing I wanted to share is actually from my way smarter than me theology professor up at um, Whitworth. He said this quote last week, and it touches on what Julie said, um, and it's, um, God calls us to discipleship and obedience at every instant. There are no non-religious moments because our lives belong to him. We are not our own. And like Julie said, it's really easy for me to compartmentalize my life. You know, this is my job and my home life, non-religious you know, moments. This is church and my small group, religious moments. And instead, I just want to start viewing everything as sacred and an opportunity to serve God. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to challenge you guys with a little question I ask myself all the time, because I don't want to be the only one that's challenged. So I'm going to make you guys be challenged too. Um, and the question I always ask myself is, if I believe that I'm a missionary and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, how is that reflected in my life? And if I can't point to things of how that's reflected in my life, then it's time to do something about it. So that's me and my attempt to be missional. Hopefully what you picked up in both of those stories is that the ordinary things have incredible value. That the fact of the matter is all of us have the perfect platform to make disciples. We all have the perfect role or occupation to change lives. In fact, there's a good argument that could be made for you perhaps having a better opportunity to do it than me that your life is involved so deeply in the lives of the people you work with or your neighbors, the people you're investing in, that you have this incredible, incredible opportunity. came across this little quote, made the front of the bulletin. Yes. Do not forget that the value and interest of life is to do ordinary things with the perception of their enormous value. Whether you're at home with your kids, whether you're doing nursing things, whether you're engaging in the simplest of tasks, it's an opportunity to view them as sacred, an opportunity to view them as God's way of using you to build his kingdom. We're going to close with one song.